0: Are you a fan of the Mommy Wines podcast? Well, of course you are, or you wouldn't be hearing this right now. One of the best ways to support the show you love, besides obviously tuning in every Wine Wednesday for new episodes, is shopping the Mommy Wines merch store on teespring.com. This is where you'll find all of the Mommy Wines branded goodness, mugs to hold your coffee over cardio morning Java, iPhone and Samsung cases. Premium ultra soft hoodies, perfect for upcoming cooler months, and of course, flowy teas and tanks, flattering on every mommy out there. Go shop the Mommy Wines storefront on teespring.com and make sure to use code WINEMOM for free shipping. In this two part episode of the Mommy Wines podcast, motherhood and lifestyle YouTuber and Instagrammer Megan from Loving Life as Megan opens up about her experiences with postpartum anxiety and depression. This is a topic that touches roughly 20% of new mothers on a deep level. Baby blues, postpartum depression, and postpartum anxiety, along with all other forms of mental illness, should be taken seriously. Self-care and mental health isn't selfish or greedy, it's necessary. As always, I share these episodes to spread awareness and show support for other mothers and women. I hope that only love, support, and positivity will come out of Megan being brave enough to open up honestly about her experience and the efforts to help other mothers who are suffering from similar issues. If you or someone you know is suffering from postpartum mental health issues, please don't be afraid to get help. You can also visit www.postpartum.net. The Mommy Wines Podcast is a Mommy Wines Network and Emma Don production. Brought to you by Coffee Over Cardio, NakedWines.com, and Zaya Active. Everyone and welcome back to the Mommy Wines podcast. I am your host, Emma Don, and today I have Megan, or better known as Loving Life as Megan, on Instagram. Uh, you can also find her over on YouTube, so head on over and subscribe to her there. Uh, but she is a mommy of two, and you're currently, you know, just kind of sharing your postpartum anxiety Um, journey on Instagram, and that's actually how I found you.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. (laughs) You're welcome. (laughs) So tell me a little bit
0: about, because I read your Instagram bio, Mm -hmm. um, and your photos are so cute, by the way. Oh, thank you. (laughs) You're welcome. But just tell me a little bit about yourself and kind of... um, you know, like, how you started to go ahead and share your experience with,
1: like, postpartum anxiety and stuff. Because a lot of people don't. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's true. A lot of people don't. Or if they do share it, um, it's like, I don't think that, like, scripted is necessarily the right word. But what they do share is incredibly filtered I guess and not always transparent Um, because it can be scary to share those things for a lot of reasons but um, what happened is I so I have two girls Kinsley who is five she'll be six the first week of December and um, Sawyer who has just turned 18 months old and those are uh, cute names Oh, thank you. You're um, welcome. And I'm, I'm married to their dad. His name is Derek. But um, with Kinsley, I had postpartum depression, and it went completely undiagnosed until I was already out of it, um, mostly because the symptoms did not present maybe the same way that you would typically think when you know um, or when you might think that you have depression or postpartum depression, like... A lot of people associate those things, including myself, with like the extremes where you like smother your baby or um, commit suicide yourself or have suicidal tendencies and like crying all the time and just um, those types of things, which um, those extreme cases are awful and, and yeah. like breaks for those women and those children. But for me, the depression was um, more of like a disassociation and like a lack of connection, I guess, with Kinsley. It was more like going through the motions of everyday life. Um, so there were just, it was, I don't want to say atypical symptoms, but just things that didn't, uh, flare up red flags for myself, and of course, I knew that postpartum depression existed, but again, I didn't identify that I had any of those symptoms until they went away, and then I was like, "Oh my god, I feel like a million times better now." And I talked to my doctor about that, um, almost like a euphoric feeling, and and he um, talked to me about what I had been experiencing for almost two and a half years at that point. Um, and he, and then he kind of diagnosed after the fact. So when I was having, when I was pregnant with Sawyer, um, I was kind of preparing for that again, if that makes any sense. Cause, um, I had experienced it before and obviously then I'm prone to, um, those kinds of experiences right. and I just wanted to be better prepared the second time around. So I was, um, I did things like encapsulated my placenta after having Sawyer because I had read a lot of like just blog posts and studies and um, websites and things that encouraged that as a way to like kind of curb depression and um, lack of energy and stuff like that. So I got my placenta encapsulated. My husband and I had so many talks about what signs to look for and what red flags may be and how to handle it, how to approach me about it, um, how to approach my doctor about it. Like we had a whole game plan for if I were to experience postpartum depression again. Well, that's good.
0: And it's crazy because does it typically just go away? But even if it does, like two and a half years is still a really long time.
1: Yeah. So I, um I already experienced some mental health issues with like manic depression and bipolar depression and stuff like that, aside from having children. um, So I already have like those kinds of roller coaster times in my life where there's like extreme highs and extreme lows. What, yeah. But having that um, kind of gives you like a predisposition or makes you prone to postpartum issues. And from what I understand, um, Postpartum issues are different for every woman. So uh, some women might not experience it at all. Some women may experience what they call like baby blues, which is just like a mildly low feeling for a couple of weeks while your hormones are readjusting. Some women, it lasts for just a few months, some years. And some things that I've read are up to like 10 plus years that stems back to postpartum. And it's still it's still being diagnosed as postpartum, even, even as their children are are like adolescence, and you know what I mean? So yeah, those things can last for a long time. Um, but yeah, for me, it lasted two and a half years with, with Kinsley. I'm still in it with the anxiety with Sawyer and it's been 18 months now. But um, so anyway, we had prepared for like postpartum depression or we thought we were prepared. And then um, my pregnancy with Sawyer was, incredibly complicated. Like I'm not, I'm already not really supposed to be able to have children to begin with. It's really hard for me carrying them to term. And um, my pregnancy with Kinsley was complicated as well, but Sawyer was a whole nother level of complicated. And there were times um, throughout the pregnancy where you, um, Like, doctors were preparing me for the possibility that she may die, that I may die. There were, like, things that kept happening, and um, I was high risk the entire time. I was being seen by specialists the entire time. They were closely monitoring her. I was going for sonograms every single week, and they, at one point, had me, like, so concerned that um, her thyroid wasn't developing properly, which would lead to, like, mental deficiencies, um, if it, like, didn't catch up type of thing, and just, there's a lot that was going on. um, That sounds like a lot. Pregnancy's already stressful,
0: but then you add in all of the complications, and
1: oh, yeah. My pregnancy
0: with Milo wasn't, you know, like a, a ray of sunshine either, but it just makes it so much more stressful when, like, the doctors are also super concerned, Oh yeah. Oh yeah. A little bit more real than just like a regular mother worrying.
1: Yeah, it was, it, it was intense. Like the, I mean, it was one thing after another from literally the very beginning. Like it started with a persistent UTI that would not go away even with antibiotics. And it's dangerous to be on antibiotics for prolonged periods of time, but I was on an antibiotic my entire pregnancy because of that. And then, um, I was having like kidney issues and then I gave myself water intoxication because I was just drinking too much water. And so that, that created a whole, I mean, it was just, it was really bad. (laughs) Um, and then she was having issues and yeah. So at 34 weeks, um, I went for like a regular appointment with my OB and he was using the Doppler to find her heartbeat. Um, and it was like it was just irregular, or that's what he was saying to me is that it was just a little bit irregular. And he's like, "Don't freak out. You just need to go over to the hospital, and they need to like take a look at things with better equipment, and um, like they need to monitor you for a little bit of time. This is like totally normal. Sometimes these things happen. It's not going to be a big deal." So I went over to the hospital, and they hooked me up to the monitors. And it ended up being like a huge deal. Um, she was like, her heartbeat was dropping like super, super low and then like accelerating really high. It was, it was just, it was really bad. So they gave me these. Um, they were like, we're gonna give you steroid shots to mature her lungs because we might have to take the baby like right now. Um, oh no. And- yeah, there's, they were like, there's all these risks. So they give me the steroid shot. And they, they were like, you have to stay in the hospital, like we're admitting you. And um, so they give me the first steroid shot. And they're like, you have to have two. So it but it takes like 48 hours to get both of them. They can't give them back to back. Right. Um, and so basically, they were saying her lungs won't be mature enough until after the second shot. So they give me the first shot. And then not even an hour later, they come in and they're like, uh actually we're like gonna do like we're gonna do an emergency c section and take her now um because she didn't she didn't pass a biophysical um ultrasound so i was like um no like you just (laughs) told me that she need i need to have two of these shots before she'll before like you can even consider that you just gave me the first one an hour ago and now you're showing the baby um and And she didn't pass the biophysical, but she was also in a sleep cycle because prior to that, they were monitoring me and she had been fine, been awake or whatever. And then by the time like the ultrasound tech came in, she had to have been in the sleep cycle because she was kicking and everything beforehand on the monitor that you could see. And then when the tech came in, she didn't pass because she didn't have enough movements. And we were like, no, because she was just moving before and stuff. Um, and they, but they only give you 30 minutes to pass that. So it was just this big thing. And um, essentially the on-call doctor, cause it wasn't even my doctor that was in the hospital that day. The on-call doctor was like, well, we're going to take her because I don't want to be called back. If there's an emergency, like later tonight, I don't want to have to come back to the hospital. So rude. Just, yeah. And I was like, <laughs> um, that's not the way that that works. You don't get to just like decide that I'm going to have a C-section and you're going to take my baby um, six weeks early just because you don't want to have to come back. Right. So well, sorry,
0: being a doctor so inconvenient for you, but you made that choice yourself.
1: Right. It was just, it was crazy. So then, um, I, I refused. I was like, no, like you can monitor me for longer. Like she, only barely didn't pass like she was breathing fine in it and she just didn't have enough like movements to show her muscle tone or something and even the nurse that had been monitoring me was advocating for me and she was like this baby was like so active just a second ago and now like she's just sleeping just give her another biophysical and they wouldn't do that so I was refusing I was like you're not going to give me a c-section that's unnecessary yeah and they had the um my the high risk doctor that I had been seeing um from maternal fetal medicine, which was the like specialty office uh called me and he 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 literally said to me, Your decisions are going to kill your baby yeah <gasps> So I still refused the C section. Um, I got on the phone with like my actual doctor, talked through everything with him. He accessed the files from his office and was like looking at what had happened, um, and we talked about it. And he basically was like, "I'll give you a few days because these things like they they can happen." It's it was a heart arrhythmia that she had so he was like these things can happen um she could have this arrhythmia up until you deliver it could go away on its own it could go away from birth happening or it could come back after birth like he was just he was telling me like all the different scenarios yeah um but he was like you have to stay admitted you have to be monitored until it goes away and if it doesn't go away after a few days and she's still having like these extreme lows and highs then uh You know we're gonna have to talk about inducing you or or c-section or something like that so we made this plan they transferred me to like a higher tech hospital and monitored me and after um almost four days it did go away on its own so which was a blessing and we then we didn't have to take her quite so soon Uh, i was still induced early due to complications but it it was past the 36 week mark so she was fine um but anyway, from that happening, when that doctor said to me my decisions were going to kill my baby, that gave me PTSD um, Oh well, on my pregnancy.
0: Yeah, that's understandable. <laughs> I would probably have the same thing if somebody was like, who tells a mother they're going to kill their baby? Like, what yeah. kind of bedside manner is that?
1: Yeah, it was... It was incredibly unprofessional and just um, – it was, it was horrible. It was, it was a horrifying experience, and, and it's had lasting effects on me. So that – the PTSD from the pregnancy is what kind of like spurred the postpartum anxiety – And what happened is I did, I didn't even know postpartum anxiety existed. So we had prepared for all of these things with the possibility of postpartum depression. And then I didn't experience that. What I experienced was totally different. So she was born. And um, while when, like when they're fresh out the womb, they do like the jaundice testing and stuff. Oh yeah. So she was born and she had like some elevated levels, but not, enough that they had to take her to NICU or anything but they were just like "Mm, we want to like have her tested a couple of times so they we only stayed in the hospital for 24 hours they let us go home with her and we just had to come back to the hospital it was like twice for testing but I became obsessed thinking that she was jaundiced and something was going to happen to her so aside from those like two tests that we had to do i also took her for an additional test at the hospital and took her in twice to her pediatrician's office with concerns about it um and that was like the looking back now that was like the first sign i was just i was obsessed like something was going to happen it was going to be bad it was going to kill her and then uh, oh it's babies are
0: already up. so small and it's so like stressful. Sorry, my throat is killing me. It's so like stressful, like bringing home a new baby, but like to have such a heightened sense of worry. Mm-hmm. That oh my gosh, I couldn't even imagine because that would just be
1: like miserable to constantly be thinking something's wrong. Oh, it it was, and then I'm um, it. It's just it's in it's insane. Like the feelings, so. That was, like, the first sign that I can see now. But at the time, I just thought it was normal. Like, they said, this is something to watch out for and be concerned. And I was watching out and being concerned. Um, But then, it like, I wouldn't let too many people, like, touch or hold her. I wouldn't. I, like forced my husband and my daughter to be like completely silent anytime that she was sleeping. And when she was sleeping, I was not sleeping because I was looking at her, making sure that she was breathing, checking on her. Like it was a compulsion, like checking on her to make sure that she was breathing even if she's sitting right next to me I'd shake her if I didn't see her chest move too many times or put mirrors up to her nose and her mouth and stuff like that like it was I was obsessed thinking that she was going to die oh my gosh that would be exhausting oh yeah. <laughs> Very <laughs> sleep deprived. And she's I'm a breastfeeding mom so she's nur- she was nursing and I would get so concerned that she wasn't eating enough, which I also breastfed Kinsley and I never had those concerns with her. Concerned like that she wasn't eating for lo- um, longer periods of time and like with Kinsley Kinsley nursed every 45 minutes for like 45 minutes at a time so that's oh my what I was gosh. expecting. Sawyer would only nurse for like twenty minutes every three hours when she was an infant, so I was like, "Oh no, she's not getting enough food, like she's gonna waste away. I'm starving my baby like it was it it was those kinds of thoughts at first. oh my goodness, <laughs> oh, yeah.
0: like I have anxieties like it's not like that severe. I think anything I feel like anything postpartum is like hyper." Like, it's way more powerful than, like, just a little bit of, you know, social anxiety here or, you know, like, you suffer with, like, mild depression. I feel like anything postpartum, because the hormones are so, like, still fluctuating, is just so much more heightened. So, like, I can kind of relate a little bit and I understand, like, where you're coming from. But that is just, like, that, like, like, that would just be so like
1: exhausting well it got even like it got even worse after that like when I think about I would rather be back in those days than be where I'm at now because because I didn't know that postpartum anxiety was even a thing and I did not have any anxiety issues prior to this happening so I don't even know I didn't even know how to identify anxiety before oh really um yeah. So I had no idea. And I was just thinking like I don't, that it was normal, but it wasn't. And then it because it went like undiagnosed, untreated in any way, it just started ramping up to the point where like not only was I checking on her breathing, but I was I was having paranoid anxiety. Um, so I was like convinced that someone was either living in my attic or somewhere in my house or going to break into my house and kill my family. And it, and it went from like, just being worried about Sawyer dying to being worried about all of us dying.
0: Don't let the holiday treats slow you down. Zaya Active has your back. Well, your backside that is. With premium activewear from Zaya Active, you'll be set to crush your health and wellness goals even if you surrender to a few holiday cravings. Zaya Active's most popular items are their joggers and the light and tight leggings. Both are ideal for colder weather. The light and tights are made of the highest quality sweat wicking, breathable, compressive, quick drying and squat proof materials. And from now through the holidays, I am extending my rep discount to every one of my listeners. That's right, 25% off your order now through the holidays. So cross off the activewear lover on your list and use the savings to treat yourself at myziah.com backslash emadon. And DM me on Instagram to place your order with my 25% off rep discount now through the holidays. Once again, that's myziah.com backslash emadon. Y. ZYIA.com backslash Amadon. Thank you for listening to this episode of Mommy Wines After Dark. To hear the rest of Megan's story and her episode, make sure to tune in on Wine Wednesday. Today's episode of the Mommy Wines podcast was brought to you by NakedWines.com, Zaya Active, and Coffee Over Cardio. Do you love the show? Show your support by shopping the Mommy Wines Podcast Merch Store at Teespring.com, or by becoming a monthly supporter of the show by clicking the support button at anchor.fm backslash mommywines. Or you can use the support link in the show notes below. Have you been wanting to start your own podcast? Join the MW Podcast Network. All info on the MW Network, merch, partnerships. Coupon codes, episodes, blog posts, and so much more can be found at themommywines.com. As always, thank you for listening, and until next week, wine moms, parent and drink responsibly.